What's poppin', real ones? This is Logan Murdoch. I'm here with Raja Bell. How you doing, bro? I'm I'm a little mad right now. Tell him why I'm you a little ma- mad. Okay, we're with the mad. We're in the mad Hooper right now. Why why are you why are you mad? Tell him why. Yeah, you're mad. We'll, we'll get into it. I had a chance to play MJ's golf course. Like, can I get into that today? I was had an invite from our special guest today, and I I had to pod instead of playing MJ's magnificent course in Jupiter. Oh, okay. Our special guest is none other than the legend Rip Hamilton. Huh? Huh? Ah, tap in. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Whether it's taking all your little ones to their sporting events or everybody getting together and taking a ride to the beach, the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure. With features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or... Standard third row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. What's good, real ones? Logan Murdoch and Roger Bell here. Now, Roger, this guest. Just kind of disrespected Joe How life coming on this um this Zoom call right now. He didn't even think you was up today. You need to get in gear, bro. You wanna you wanna introduce our guest that we have here right now, sir? Yeah, let me take a shot at let me take a shot at this. Um, this was a this person was a nemesis of mine, like heavy scouting report, a lot of work to do when I had to play him because of the offense that they ran um, in Detroit. I probably just gave it away. We've worked together for a few years now. Um, our boys are around the same age. They've competed. And like my proudest, most like, like best achievement when it comes to Rip is I wear his ass out on the golf course. This is Richard Hamilton who's <laughs> with us on Real Ones. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> wear my ass out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I might give you the edge on that, man, but I'm happy to be on you guys' show, bro. <laughs> yeah, dog, thanks for popping on, man. Thanks for popping on. Man, I remember when I was when I was growing up, like this guy used to have the sauciest jerseys coming in, the Coatesville jerseys, Roger. Whenever he would walk in, I would be like, oh, this dude, it, it's, it's, it's real right now. And he grew up one of my favorite players of all time, Kobe Bryant. Rip, how was what what is Coatesville? And where is Coastville and why is it such a great place and why is it why was it such a great place for you to grow up? Oh wow. I mean, uh yeah, Coastville, Pennsylvania, uh eleven thousand people. Most of the kids and most of the uh people that's from there stay there. Never really make it out. We're probably about 35, 40 minutes right outside of Philadelphia. And it's a lot of people from my town that never made it to Philadelphia. I mean, the first time I actually left Coastville or, and went out of the state was probably, I was probably 17 years old and that, and that was going on recruiting business, uh, trying to attend the college. But small, small town, uh, 
Only restaurant we have there is McDonald's. <laughs> no, 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 like, uh, like as a kid, you never hear of none of the the big restaurants like Ruth Chris and uh, Outback and all, you know, all them other type of restaurants. Uh, just a small, small town. Everybody's family, you know, <laughs> everybody knows each other. The kids I graduated with are the same kids I went to kindergarten with. <laughs> uh so uh, I loved it. I loved growing up there just on the simple fact that I had a lot of friends, a lot of organic relationships. Uh, wasn't situations where, hey, you know what? I meet somebody and didn't know their family, didn't know their cousins, didn't know how they grew up because I knew they most likely grew up right down the street. <laughs> Coastal is probably two miles long, north, south, and two miles east, west. So it's one of the small, small towns that uh, as a kid you, you love to grow up with just because you're, you're just familiar with everybody in the area. Yeah, that's that's what's up, man. I uh, I actually rip. I shared with you, like I lived in Coachville for two years in my younger life. Like my mom's family's from right outside Philly. You know, one of my cousins, Ramsey Stanton. Mm -hmm. Um, you talked about the town itself, but talk about the hoop scene that is like Coachville, uh, and even expand into Philly, and then talk about how you and Kobe um wound up crossing paths at that youth level and the relationship you guys developed being McDonald's All Americans together and all of that. Man, Raja, yeah, I know. I wish we had a cross paths during our basketball journey, especially at a young age. Then I, then I would know when we met up, when we played in the NBA, why you was always mad on the court. But, <laughs> 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 but uh, well Coastfield, done, well done, sir. Well yeah, done. Yeah, Coastville. We have, you know, we have a lot of talent there, uh, but a lot of kids don't make it out. Uh, we don't get a lot of media attention just on the simple fact that we are. A, a, a small town, but me growing up there with all the talent that I know growing up, there's also a lot of different negative things to get into. And a lot of kids didn't make it out because of either drugs, alcohol, or just being in the wrong stuff. And uh, I think that's ha that happens in, in any urban uh, community, uh, especially when you got a, a lot of negative activity uh, uh, around you. But uh, I just think that growing up with my friends, they didn't treat me no different than than anybody else. Uh, I I thought I was really good, you know, and my friends thought they were really good, too. So they never gave me the edge and said, OK, Rip, you're the one that's going to make it. They thought that they were going to make it, too. Yeah. But uh, funny story when, you know, by the time I got to my junior year in high school, like I thought I was the best shit since sliced bread by that time because I'm six, six. Uh, there's not a lot of height in our town. Everybody else is 5'10 and six foot of that. So, I, you know, when you're from a small town, they put you at, at the center position. But I had guard, I had guard skills. And I remember uh, coming to practice one day and my coach was like, hey, Rip, uh, man, you walking around here like you like you think you're good or something, man. Like uh, there's a there's a kid uh, right down the street that's just as talented as you. And I'm like, yeah, right, man. You, Go ahead. You're trying to figure out one of, you know, Roger, you know how coaches try to figure out different ways to kind of motivate yourself, right. motivate you, right? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, right, man. He was like, yeah, you know, uh, he's probably about the same height as you, and I think he's probably more talented than you. And I'm like, man, this guy, he's just trying, he's just trying to make me go out and practice and kill these dudes and practice. And uh, I was like, Ain't no way. And this is be before the social media era, because nowadays you can actually look on Instagram, look on Twitter and find out who's the great players uh, around you, especially in the state. And he was like, all right, we're going to match up with him. Trust me, uh, the, the team is the team is uh, lower Marion. And I'm like, 
all right, well, we're going to see and we're going to blow them out because Laura Marion Rajah, as you know, is is a suburb, right? It's, it's a lot of silver spoon kids it's the over birds, there, right? bro. <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah. birds, yes. Yeah, it's a very, you know, very suburban. So we like, no, like most of my friends, you know, we from the hood. Like, like ain't no way we're going to let, you know, some suburban kids uh, uh, beat, up, beat, beat up on us. And uh, I remember playing... Uh, playing against Laura Marion at our high school, and I looked down uh, the, at, at, in the layup line at, at, at the team. So I'm like, "Who's this kid?" Right. So I'm looking down there. I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, he is six six, right?" I said, "Oh man, uh, he can dribble just as good as me." Oh, now he's now he's pulling up two feet behind the three point line. I'm like, "Oh, he can shoot the ball too." And then he gets up there and he's throwing windmills, and you know, this is before you couldn't touch the rim in, in warmups. Remember, you had to, you had to right. go in and just like. Like dropping in, he's doing windmills, dropping in three sixties, dropping it in, and I'm like, damn, well, that's 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 <laughs> impressive. But uh, wait, let's let's wait to see when the ball's thrown up. And once the once that ball was thrown up, man, I held my own. But that man gave that, that man gave us the business. Mm-hmm. I mean, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant. He gave us the business, and that's when I first realized, hey, Rip, you know, you got to go back. You got to go back to 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 the gym. You got to get back in the gym. You got to. You got to work on your craft a little bit more because, man, if if this kid right here is outshining you, what about the rest of the world? So uh, that was my introduction to uh, playing against Kobe Bryant. What was it like to see him off the court? You know, you see him as this guy that you you know you meet him on the court playing against him, and it's one way. How was he off the court as a young as a young kid? Uh, like I said, you know, the first time we played was like 16, 17 years old. And uh, after that, we we were we we gained a really good relationship, uh, just from us being one of the two top guys in the state. And we were also we also played on the same AU team, so we were actually roommates, and we were able to actually uh, not just play against each other, but also be, become really really good friends. And uh, off the court, Cole was uh, all business man. He was serious <laughs> at like 16 years old, which was crazy to me because. At 16 years old, man, you just want to be a kid, right? Like, like before games, you didn't go into the uh, gym and stretch and do all this other crazy stuff to get prepared for the game. Cole was on that. Uh, uh, I, I mean, it was it was many times where you know we were sitting sitting in the room and we we'll just have just random conversations about guys we were playing against uh, the next next day in, in the AAU game. And his mind was on the NBA. He was like, hey, Rip, you know, when I get to the NBA, you see some of these superstar guys out there in my position, I'm a dog. And I'm like, man, bro, like, <laughs> bro, we like 16. Like, like, I'm dudes is grown man. Like, come on, man. Like, 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 go to sleep, man. Like, I ain't trying to hear that. You, you dreaming right now. He like, nah, Rip, I'm dead serious, man. I'm like, bro, we got, you know. We play Shaheem Holloway tomorrow, or we play Tim Thomas the next. Like, but he looked over top of all that to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm I'm ready for the lead." And boy, when he got there, he they definitely showed everybody why he was ready. You yeah. and AAU, you and Kobe on the AAU like what was who was on your team? Because I've seen like like you know the 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 websites where it's like unconfirmed reports of like. Kobe and maybe Vince Carter on the same team. Who was on your team with with Kobe? What was the AAU team like? Because the stuff of like legend of Kobe's AAU career in your AAU. Career. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, on our team, uh, uh, it was pretty much just me and him were the, were, 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 were the stars on the team. It was just me and him, right? And it was, it, was, okay. it, it was so crazy because me and him are not from Philadelphia. We're, we're from outside of Philadelphia. So Philly had a whole group of talent out there from uh, guys like Rasheed Brook, Brooklynboro, who was an elite guard coming out, out of Philadelphia, uh, Arthur Davis, a guy that played at Glenn Mills, who was, was man, he was unbelievable. Uh, Rashid Bey uh, uh, was another great guard. So we had a, a lot of great guards from Philly. And we were actually like from the suburbs of Philadelphia, right? And uh, it was just me and him. Uh, Sam Ryans was our coach, right? And Sam Ryans uh, developed the team. And Sam went out and just got a whole bunch of guys that were pretty much role players on our team, right? So, so the, it was funny because before the game, Sam would be like, all right, you know, Kobe, you need to average 35 this tournament. Rip, you need to average 30 this tournament, right? So, and he told everybody else, he said, hey, guys, your job is not to shoot the ball. Your, 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 job, your job is to, to give them the ball. And when they make a play, if you open – Shoot the ball. And but other than that, I don't need you to go outside of your game to try to make plays out on the floor. These guys are are are, are the guys. And we added pieces during that journey, but most of it it was just regular guys trying to get division one, division one uh uh scholarship. And what he told their parents was like, hey guys, hey, look, this is gonna be one heck of a ride. If your kids listen and 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 you buy in, uh a lot of times these college coaches are going to come in and try to get Ripper Cole and most likely they might not get him. Then there may be opportunity for your son. Mm-hmm. And it's cra- and it's crazy, man. We probably had about four other guys go division one. One guy went to uh, Notre Dame. Uh, another, another kid went to uh, Providence. Another kid went to Bucknell. Another kid went to University of Penn. So we had like four or five kids still go Division One just because they bought in. They bought into their role. They did it really well, and and they end up getting a free ride to to uh, a Division One school. So I always tell kids, you ain't got to be the man, right? You just got to carve out a role and do it really well. And there's somebody out there that will fall in love with you. But when you hear the story about, hey, you know what? We played on this elite team with. Vince and all that. Yeah, I mean, at times, you know, Cole will play on other teams, you know, one-offs, but for the most part of it, it was just me and him on, the, on, on Sam Ryan's. That was a team that we played on out of Philly. Hey, that's a, that's a, great, a great little lesson for people, and it's, an, it's kind of an organic segue for me, Rip, because you talked about that coach um, really defining roles and getting people to buy in for the greater good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's interesting. I want to ask you, um, James Harden going to Brooklyn. Now you've got James Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant. If you're Steve Nash, like Rip Hamilton is coaching this team, like what's the approach in trying to, you know, manage that, which is getting guys, some, there's got to be a sacrifice made by everybody, getting guys to kind of figure out what their roles are for the greater good, which is winning a championship. Like I'm interested to know how you would approach that. Uh, first of all, I thought that you was going to be sitting on the sideline with your buddy Steve mm, Nash mm. over there. I, I don't know what Roger we would have got. We would have got the, the the host of his own of his own show, uh, Roger, or the guy that 
Hey, I, I want to tell a funny story real quick before yes, I get into please. that, right? Ain't yes. nobody asked you for no story, dog. No, we don't want to ask you for a no story, Rip. Rip, uh, yeah, tell yeah, a story, yeah, Rip, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, listen. I, I don't understand if y'all know how crazy Roger was as a player, right? <laughs> like, I, 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 I really don't. I really, really don't. I, I hope y'all understand. How crazy was he? How crazy that was dude, he, Rip? That dude was a little, little cuckoo for cuckoo puffs, right? You know, I hey, remember, wait, 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 wait. Before you start, you know, like, I have control of this a little bit, right? Like, I'm going to edit all of this shit out. So you can do it. No, he's not. Sasha owns this. So Sasha is the is the producer on this show. She is make sure. Leave this in, Sasha. Go ahead. Hey, hey, listen. So, I, you know, like, me and Roger, you know, end up being, uh, come, becoming really close friends, especially after our career, right? But he was one of them dudes that I just didn't like to play against. I, I really didn't like to play against because... Roger was the type of guy. Look, I, I remember playing a game before uh, when he was in Phoenix and I was in Detroit, right? And the national anthem was just starting to play, you know, blah, 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 whatever, right? And I'm looking at Roger, right? You know, as a competitor, like a boxing match, you're always looking at the person's eyes across you, right? And Roger was the guy that I knew I had to, I had to go ahead and compete against. So I'm looking at this dude in the, in, in, uh, at, in, in the national anthem, and he's literally crying before the game like <laughs> like 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 uh, like 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 crying like tears coming out like you know how that one kid in the neighborhood when he gets really really upset and he know he's about to fuck some shit up you know what i'm saying and the man just start crying and you be like oh man this dude is crazy like i better be careful i better be careful i better, I better be careful with him that was roger bell I'm looking at this dude before the game, and he's damn near in tears. And I'm like, oh, bro. So all the little stuff that I try to get away, cheap shots, elbows, trips, talking trash, whatever, whatever. I got to be very careful because this dude will mess around and fight me in the middle of the game, and then we both get kicked out. We both lose hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I got to be I gotta be very careful with him. But uh, <laughs> what kind of game was this? Was this a Tuesday in January, or was this a, this wasn't a postseason game, was it? Man, listen, no, this was a regular season game. This wasn't even for, let's say, a playoff match. This wasn't for the finals. This wasn't none of that. This was a regular game in Phoenix. You got to remember, he's in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's Palm You only play him once a nice. year. You only go to Phoenix once a year. And Phoenix is very nice. Like, I'm, I'm, de- I'm in Detroit where we don't see the sun. He see the sun all, all day, <laughs> every day. So I'm like, what is he mad about? But that just shows you. Tell me why you mad, kid. son. Tell him why you mad, son. Roger, why you mad, son? Why would Look, you? Why? I, I've already told Rip this, dog. Like, and it's true. This is a true story. But it was, it was the way. Like, it was how I played, dog. Like, I wasn't good enough to like go out there and not be like on the borderline of exploding. At least in my mind, right? So, like, especially when I saw a dude like Rip, um, who was a perennial all star, like. I knew it was going to be all night long, me coming off shit, like chasing him, trying to run him off of that. Like it was going to be a long night of work. Like I had to be on that. And edge. that made you emotional. The thought of that just made you cry, right? Because you had to like, <laughs> is that what it was? No, nah, I would I would work myself up like the whole pregame. Um, like I just would work myself up. Like I'd fabricate like some shit. Like I think about, I don't know, Greg Popovich cut me or or... Like, you know, they kept Derek Dial instead of me on this team or whatever, whatever like perceived slight or organic slight I had experienced, I would just be building that up in my mind to like, 
to right when it was tip off. And then I try to take that shit out on whoever was against me. <laughs> Regardless who it was, huh? Regardless who it was, huh? Didn't matter. It didn't matter. <laughs> so, so Roger, you were talking about you were talking about uh, James Harden and and the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I, I'm interested, Rip, because 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 uh, you know, you two played on teams where you had. You know, they didn't dub them super teams, but you had excellent scores on those teams, all guys individually that could carry their own team. And you and you guys had to learn to work together and play together and sacrifice a little bit uh, for that ultimate goal, which was championships. So, like, if you're Steve, you know, how do you how do you get on a page early with those dudes um, and, and, and get people to buy into that? Well, first of all, Roger, anytime you got three great players like that, uh, one, it helps that. KD and uh, James had a relationship and they already played together in, o- in OKC. So if I if I was Steve, which you probably, you know, former MVP, a guy that's been a multiple all-star, he played with great players, uh, played with a guy like Dirk Nowitzki uh, in Dallas. So he he understands that, hey, in order for them to be successful, it's, it's going to be about sacrifices. But I do think that all three of them have to get in the room and they got to he got to carve out different roles for them. Right. Uh, The big question mark is like, who's going to be the closer? Because you probably got three of the best closers uh, (laughs) in the game. But I think I feel personally that that KD is arguably the best player on that team. So when it comes down to the end of games, I think that Kyrie Irving, which who said it already, that he has the utmost respect for for KD. And I would feel feels though that James Harden has the same type of respect for him also too, especially in late games. But I do think that I had that question mark when it was just KD and Kyrie on the team, right? right. Both guys are are on the ball, dominant guys, guys that need the ball in their hand to really make plays. But KD can play off the ball uh, uh, too. But I just felt though that early in this year, Steve has done an excellent job of one playing with pace, right? Uh, is different than when we played back in the day where teams were only shooting 65, 70 shots a game, other than your Phoenix Suns team that you guys just played up a day on and played really, really fast. Uh, but I thought that Steve Nash was doing a great job of having them move without the ball, like put the ball in other guys' hands, maybe like DeAndre Jordan and let him make a play, uh, put him in a situation where he's dribbling a handoff with Kyrie or KD where other guys can actually touch the ball and feel the ball at, at times. I think that was a big problem in Houston where James kind of just pound the ball, pound the ball, pound the ball. And it really don't give a guy a chance to really, you know, touch it and get familiar with because by the time they catch it, they just got to shoot it. Right. So I think uh, Steve has, has to do a great job, which I thought he's done so far this season. It's just putting them guys in different spots on the floor where they're just not pounding the ball, where there's a lot like a more of a motion style offense. But uh, defensively, I think that's going to be the big question mark because now all three of them got to take challenges on the defense end. KD has stepped his, his def- uh, uh, defensive game up over the years, showing people that he's a way better defender than he was early in his career. Kyrie got to be a better defender, and we know about James on the defense end. So I just think that what New Jersey lost, especially with losing like Levert and losing – uh, uh, Jared Allen on the bench. They, they did lose some uh, depth in bench, but I just feels like dumb guys got to be willing to buy in to do all the little things now. Okay, now, James, you might be the guy that comes out, right, and maybe not score 30 and maybe have to shut down, let's say, 
uh, a Kawhi Leonard because that that's your matchup now. You can't you can't run from that. You can't say okay, I'm gonna put PJ Tucker on you, right? Uh, same thing with Kyrie. Okay, I got a matchup tonight against Steph Curry. Now I got to chase him. I can't look for someone else to to defend him. So I just think that these guys got to buy in now and take take that superstar tag off right now, right? And say, all right, you know what? I'm gonna do anything possible to to help my team win. But I think Steve has done a great job so far, but just trying to play fast, trying to get up and down and trying to get up as many shots as possible. How do you, how do you, what is it like, Rip? Because I, I think one parallel I can bring to your career with this trade is um, getting a superstar player midseason. And I know it was a little late when you got Rashid in the 2004 season, but what is that like to integrate a superstar? How did you got, how were you guys able to integrate a superstar like Sheed um, midway through the season and, and then win a title? How, how, how did you guys yeah. do that? Well, I mean, first of all, man, if she don't come to us, we don't win no world championship. I mean, that's hey talent. Like people always say, uh, man, talent wins championship. <laughs> Hard work and talent, but you need talent, man. Uh, I, I think that Rashid was probably one of the most underrated players that that played in our game. A guy that could have easily been a top three guy, you know, in the game. I mean, you ask some of the great players like, Tim Duncan, KD, and 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 Dirk Nowitzki during that era, they're, they're probably they'll put she right up there as one of the top guys at that position. But uh, I feel as though you know during that year, uh, we were good, we were solid, but I don't think we had enough to win a championship. And me and Chauncey was uh, in constant communication with Joe uh, Dumars and was like, hey, you know what, we we need an inside presence. Uh, where a guy that can demand a double team, a guy that can take some pressure uh, off the guards, because a lot of times I'm either coming off a pin down, Chauncey's coming off a pick and roll, and Ben is going to do his job on the, on, the, on the boards. I mean, he's going to be an enforcer on the defensive end. You know, he's going to get us extra possessions, but we need a guy that's going to create a, a double team. And once Rashid came, right, I, I felt as though it was game over. Not just the simple fact because of, of his talent, but his sacrifice. Uh, man, I, I can remember when coming into the game and we were playing against somebody and I threw the ball to him in the post and the guy was on his back. And Raja, know this. If Rashid got somebody on the back, he's either going to get a bucket or he's going to get to the free throw line. And I threw the ball to him and I cut off, cut off of him and he gave the ball back to me and I got a layup. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, great high basketball IQ, make the right play. Appreciate it, homie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we run down the court. He says, Rip, do the same play. I'm going to get you another wide open shot. That don't happen in the NBA, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you got a guy that's a superstar, a guy that's been an all-star, a guy that could easily average 30 points. And I was like, whoa, like we, we got a real chance because – he was willing to make the sacrifices, like we talk about the Brooklyn Nets. He was willing to, to make the sacrifices and say, all right, you know what? This team don't need me to score 30, right? In order for us to win, we're going to do this together, and we all got to make the right play, and it's all about brotherhood. So when he was the last piece that was added to our team, he was the perfect piece because he made everybody better. He made Ben Wallace better. Him and – I mean – Rashid and Ben were like brothers. Like if Rashid didn't come to play, 
He knew he was going to hear from Ben Wallace. The Ben Wallace didn't come to play. He knew he was going to hear from Rashid. We held each other accountable, and he was the missing piece for us to go ahead and win the championship. When you guys were going on your run, right, because I'll be honest, and Roger gives me stuff for this all the time. I grew up a Laker fan. So when I was when I was growing up, you know, we thought I thought we had it in the bag that year. You know what I mean? I thought we were we was about to we was about to, to Detroit. Okay, right? How was that? But Wait, I know you, I wasn't the only from, one that Are you felt from LA to be a Laker fan? Are you from LA? He ain't no, from Oakland. I'm from he the from Bay. Oakland, Warriors man. were trash when I was growing up, so I just oh, so you know, did, I was a Lakers so fan. So you just yep. jumped ship. You just jumped ship. Okay, gotcha. All right. Th- yeah. th- Rip, thank you, bro. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I like, just want to hear it, that. It, it's whatever. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I know the overall the overall uh, vibe was that the Lakers are going to beat you guys. What was it? What was that like for you guys going into that to that finals, knowing that? But you guys just dominated the Lakers that that year. They did. Well, they did. And there wasn't the overall vibe for anybody but Lakers fans, dog. Like, yeah, that was yeah. the overall vibe. That wasn't the overall vibe, like, nationwide or within NBA circles. Yes, hey, Roger. Yes. Hey, Roger, bro, I'm trying to get a question off, G. No, no You got no. it off. I'm just answering it. Like, that was your vibe. That wasn't the overall. Ask Rip that was, if that me was and his my, vibe. Hey, hey, Rip, Rip, that was me and my homie's vibe the whole time was that, hey, piss is about to get served. So how did that feel... And I know you felt that. I know that that was just the that was the thing. The super team against the um, the Pistons. How did you guys deal with that and just say, "Nah, we're gonna serve them." Well, 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 well. To be honest with you, we didn't look at it that way. I mean, once we got Rashid, man, we felt we felt as though that we were invincible. We we I'm telling you, we didn't believe that that we could be beat by anybody. Tell you the truth, I mean, me and Chauncey had the attitude that that. We're the best backcourt in, in, in the NBA. Like, we felt that every night going in. Like, all right, you know what? Let's dominate this matchup, right? Like, that's just the type of confidence we had. Uh, ben felt as though he can guard anybody head up. Like, it didn't matter who it was. It was like, hey, you know what? I'm defensive player of the year. I'm going to outwork you. Tayshawn was growing into his own, being long, lanky, do whatever possible that we needed him to do to win. And then Adam Rashid was like the final piece. So by the time we... We got to the finals. I mean, we were like, man, bro, we're going we gonna to win. Like, I, 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 I know what all the outside noise was saying, right? But one, for me personally, I couldn't allow Kobe to beat me again. He beat me for the state championship in Pennsylvania, right? So, like, it was almost to the point where I was w- walking through the locker room looking at Ben and, and Rashid and, and Chauncey and them guys, and I'm like, bro, I can't let this dude beat me again. Like, <laughs> Like I, I just I can't do it. Like, like you, you had the tears in your eyes. Now, no, you oh, had the tears. That was in your he, eyes. <laughs> he was a bad. He was a rad rapper. <laughs> hey, 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 Roger! I had the tears in my eyes because I knew that one. He would always hold that over my head when he won the states. He held that over my head when I won a national championship in college. I called him like, "Look, bro, you can have that BS in high school champion, state champion. That don't mean nothing. I got an NCAA championship." <laughs> You know, and he was like, oh, man, you know, hey, in two years, I'm going to have my I'm going to have two rings. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, right. But I want up to right now. So for him to go ahead and win one before me and then now we match up for a title game. I was like, bro, like Ben, like I can't let this dude like, bro, you got to come ready to play. I remember talking to Ben in his locker like, bro, you got to come be come ready to play. I can't let this dude beat me again for the NBA finals. And he like, yo, Rip, man, come on, bro. 
get out of here, man. I got Shaq. Like, right. like I got Shaq. <laughs> like, 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 screw what you talking about with your little high school wars with Kobe. Like, I, I got to guard Shaq, and I got to guard him head up. So I got my own problems <laughs> and my own, my own mission. But uh, we felt as though that we were the better team. Like, when you say, okay, who had the best two players? Oh, absolutely, the Lakers. I mean, they had Shaq and Kobe, probably arguably the, the, the two, two guys that, in my opinion, should be in the top five greatest players of all time. Uh, but uh, for that moment, like, we were feeling good, man. I, I, we had this me-against-the-world attitude. Uh, we were locked in. We were willing to do anything for each other. Uh, we knew that they had a little conflict on their team, uh, uh, especially in their locker room. And we were just, we were joined by the hip, man. We were just ready. We were prepared uh, to, to win it. And I, and I think that we never went into that series thinking that the Lakers was a better team. Were you guys even, y'all wasn't even nerfed because, you know, I look at it in hindsight, you know, they, you, you guys show up and y'all kill them in game one, right? It's not even, it's, it's you guys dominate game one defensively. And then it seems like for the most part, you guys play pretty well in game two, enough to win. When then Kobe won. hits... Yeah, and then Kobe hits that ridiculous shot. Are you? How did that? How was that down the stretch of that? Um, you know, are you guys thinking, "Oh, we got a split. We good?" Or, damn, he just hit a three. That was crazy. That's a momentum shifter. Well, first of all, like anything, and Roger know this, especially when you're playing in the playoffs and you're playing on the road. The goal is to go in there and get one, right? We 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 knew that the first two games was going to be in L.A. Our goal was to get one. And where you can always sneak up on somebody is in game one, right? We got that. We handled business. Game two came around. Like you said, it was a back and forth game. We're up by what? One point? No, we're, we're up by two, right? I think we were up by... Don't you guys were up by no, three? No, no. We were up by three. Overtime. We were up by three, yes, right? And I remember it's funny because... We call a timeout and we're in the huddle and Larry Brown, Coach Larry Brown was like, all right, guys, uh, we're just going to foul. Don't let them get up a three. Right. And we, 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 we had, we had this one, we had, we had this one, we had this model to, to on a defense end, man up all season long. We ain't double, we, everybody got to hold down their own position. Right. We ain't sending no double teams. Right. Like if you got if you got your guy, you got to man up. If you ain't going to man up, you're going to get exposed. Right. That that was our mentality. Right. All season long. So when when LB was like, hey, we're going to foul. We felt so that was a cop out. We like, nah, we man up. Right. Uh, uh, Just don't give up. Don't give up a three. Right. So the play starts. So LB is like looking at us like. Guys, no, I want to found. We we in the huddle like nah. We gonna guard him head up. Tayshawn starts on him, right? Somehow I switch on him, right? So I'm on him, man, and I'm like, bro, this dude is no way. Like I'm, I, I damn near want to just trip him on accident, tell everybody <laughs> my bag, right? Like like just trip him, get it, get into the free throw line, and it looks by accident, right? So he comes down, kind of winds me, hesitate, hesitate, and I know the move because I've been playing against the guy since we were 16 years old. He pulls up the three, game goes into overtime, we end up losing the game, right? After the game, Larry Brown comes, uh, we're on the bus and we're on our way back to the uh, airport and he comes back to the, you know, coach is sitting in the front and all the players in the back. So coach comes to the back and he's like, hey guys, you know, uh, 
I want to apologize because you know I shouldn't I shouldn't have listened to y'all and I, I and we should have. We, we, I apologize because y'all was wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah we we, we should have fouled. Like that was my bad. You know I you know I went through this with Philly and as he's saying Philly because you got to remember when. When uh, Roger, you was on that team when y'all played against yeah. the Lakers, right? Yep. When y'all won, when y'all won Game One, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or y'all won one game in LA, right? We won, won, won Game One. We snuck them just like y'all did. Okay, got one Game One, right? So as soon as he says Philly, right? Ben says, "Hold on, Coach, you ain't in Philly right now. You in Detroit? <laughs> we ain't, we ain't coming back to LA. So go back to the front of the bus and sit down." But yes, we got our one. We got three games in, in Detroit. We ain't coming back to LA. Mm-hmm. And we went back to Detroit. He went, coach took his butt right back to the front. You know, you know, LB, uh, he, you know, he he always want to get the last say, right? But for that moment, we stunned him. And we was like, yeah, coach, go back to the front. We ain't trying to hear that. He mm-hmm. went back in the front, sat his ass down, and everything else is history. We ended up winning three games in Detroit. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. This episode is brought to you by Visible Wireless. Want a wireless provider that always brings its A-game? Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. And as if that wasn't already a huge win, you could use promo code RINGER20 to receive $20 off your first month just for listening to us talk about basketball. Not bad, right? You don't need more than one line of wireless to save. Just switch to Visible at Visible.com and use promo code RINGER20. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. Was it weird that you uh, almost got traded for him, for Cope? Can you, can you shed light on that story from a Detroit point of view? Well, as a as a player, right, you hear a lot of outside noise, right? And I at the moment, I didn't think it was gonna happen. I thought it was just outside noise until it came out years later mm. in reports. Because, you know, as players, we hear, and Raja can also attest to it, as players, you hear about trade rumors all the time. And you can't get caught up in uh uh on out in, in outside noise, right? So when I heard it, I was like, yeah, you know, Kobe coming to Detroit, like him leaving L.A., I, I just couldn't see that happening. So at the time, I didn't really even take any notice to it because I, didn't, I couldn't see the Lakers letting, letting Kobe go. 
What's a rumor like that for the football for basketball though? Like Roger, is there like that for basketball? Like how do you know when it's a rumor and it's real? Like I, I don't. I, I'm just that's you know we think everything is real. You really don't unless somebody can like confirm that this close to you. It's always rumors swirling around that. But Rip, you hit on something I want to ask you, dog. About you said that team had heard there was some beef like in that LA locker room. What what had y'all heard? What was going on with that? Well, you know, just just like everybody else, you heard all the issues that Kobe and Shaq was having over there, right? So to win a championship, you know, everybody got to be on the same page, right? So, you know, you hear all the different media outlets talking about that they had friction in the locker room with the guys that they had on their team. And we were just like, hey, look, this is our opportunity, right? Like, hey, bro, like, that's not that's not our problem. Right. Uh, this, this is, this is that, you know, we know that we got to be locked in. Uh, we understand that, Hey, you know what? This team is, I mean, they, they ran our air of basketball, right? Like, like, I mean, you know, going against the Lakers and knowing that they got two of the most dominant players on the team, like, bro, like you try to find any different thing that's that friction or whatever, just to exploit, to go ahead and, and, and try to handle business. But we knew that it was something going on. We didn't know what. But we just knew that as long as we handle our business, good things will happen for us. You you talked about a trade for Rashid that worked out for y'all, um, bringing in that that piece that you guys think you really needed. You were also involved in another trade for a huge name, not unlike the James Harden situation when when they brought Chuck over from from Denver. Um, talk about the dynamics of that, Rip. What it did to your team because you lost Chauncey, you know, in the deal. Um, you know, because that's that's kind of the opposite of the trade. You're you're talking about with Rashid, one that really solidified who you were. This one kind of was the beginning of 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 kind of it, it maybe falling apart a little bit, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh first, you know, first when you seen Ben go to Chicago, I think that was that was a huge blow, but we understood that A it was a business. Uh Ben been underpaid his whole entire career. And this was an opportunity where Chicago stepped up and, and paid him a lot of money. And we had a conversation with Ben at the time, right? And Ben was like, man, this is what Chicago is offering. This is what Detroit is offering. And we were so tight, bro. Like, it's, it's crazy, man. We were, we were truly brothers. And Roger, know this. This is a lot of time. When you're talking about the money that's at state in these locker rooms, man, guys can get very, very selfish at times, right? And, and, and think about me. And during that, during that time, it was just more like Ben said what Chicago was offering him. He told us what Detroit was offering him. We were like, body, bro, you've been underpaid your, your, your whole career. We don't want you to leave, but you got to go get your money, yep. right? Like, 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 that's the type of brotherhood we had in our locker room where we had them conversations. Uh, when, when, when Chauncey got traded, it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a tough time, you know what I'm saying, for, for, for all of us, and, and especially myself, because me and Chauncey, had this plan that we were going to retire together, right? We were actually, when, when I went in there to get uh, an extension uh, on my deal, I was trying to match my deal up with his deal, right? So that, that was the goal. Like, all right, you know what? We're going to be the backcourt, you know, forever here. We want a championship here. We're going to match our deal to, up uh, together. Like, bro, like, we were like peanut butter and jelly. We were best friends on the court. And, uh, and best friends off the court. So when that happened, it, it hurt, you know, and not not to the point where, you know, I always, I always say if Chauncey was traded for Michael Jordan or whoever, you know, 
it will still have the same impact on our brotherhood in the locker room. Uh, I think when when it happened, we didn't expect it. Chauncey was caught off guard, right? I was definitely caught off guard because, one, I just signed an extension. Like, I, I, I signed an extension, like, two weeks prior to that, right? And that was never a conversation, right? It was never a conversation. Oh, we're thinking about trading Chauncey, right? That, like, I felt some type of way about that. And then I also felt some type of way that they didn't report that I got my extension to the day when they traded Chauncey. That, you know, like all this back of the scenes stuff that 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 I, I just didn't I just didn't agree with. Right. Because it made me seem like, oh, I signed my extension on the day that Chauncey got traded. Right. That just didn't didn't didn't, didn't sit right with with, my, with myself. But uh, when when Alan came over, man, like uh, me and him talked, Right. And I felt as though that we had a great conversation. And. When we're when we're out there, both of us are scorers. Both of us guys like to to attack the rim. Both guys, you know what I'm saying, like to leave it all on the line. And we were saying to ourselves, bro, we're gonna figure this out, right? Like, like, like you put the talent on the floor, guys are gonna figure it out. But but I think that the situation was more like, okay, I don't know what they promised Stucky when making the trade, because Stucky was added to the starting lineup. And it's funny because Stucky was more like, hey, bro, let you and AI do your thing and let me learn from y'all. Like, let me, <laughs> you know? And and it was crazy how they kind of used me and Allen against each other, which it was never no beef. We always had a strong relationship. We all had a great relationship. We thought that it was going to work, but it just happened that they were using all these different pieces once they started bringing me off the bench and then bringing Allen off the bench, it was like, man, what do, what, what do you do? What do you say when knowing that, hey, you promised Allen certain stuff when he came there, you promised me certain stuff. So it was just, it was just crazy, man. It was just, it was craziness. How do you separate that where it's, um, you know, you're playing, a, a, you're, you're good with a player, but, um, you know, it's just not jiving well on the floor. Like, how do you separate those two and make sure that you're cool with the players is not working out? Well, I, I, I think I think one that we're all professionals, right? And over the years, you learn uh, to 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 depending on where you're at or what team you are or who's the head coach. I mean, everybody comes in with different philosophies, right? So I think it's just all about the buy-in, right? You gotta you gotta be able to buy in, like. At times where, you know, like I might have been the man for the first eight, nine years of my career. And then a young guy might come in and they might say, oh, you know what? You have to pass the torch. It's hard for some some guys, right, to do that because you're so used to being the man and, and, and the team is surrounded by you. And now you got to do other things. I think that every great player in our game, you know, what I'm saying, especially when you get older, right? Like, like, like it was hard for me at times when I got older, and I said, oh, "Okay, you know, you can't just be a scorer. You got, you got to be more of a facilitator now because we got better scorers on the team, right?" So uh, I think it's just a situation just buying in over over your journey, especially when you get older. Rip, you talked about Stuck saying he wanted to learn from you and 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 Chuck, um, and it always brings me to a question I ask everybody we have on is about their vets. I mean, you might have had like a, a, the best vet of all time. Like you, you had MJ when you were in Washington, right? Um, yeah. Man, talk to me about getting to learn from, from Mike. Um, 
the Wizards organization. And then I do think it's interesting because they got a player now in Bradley Beal that's that's just going bananas. And and the talk is that he might, you know, want to get out of town. So it's like a three-part question, but I'm really interested. Like, what was it like learning from Mike? Tell me some wild shit that I wouldn't know about dealing with Mike. And then what's your what's your take on the Bradley Beal situation there now? Oh, no. Yeah, Raja. I mean, getting an opportunity to play play with the greatest player of all time. Like what? Eddie's plays your position like like you can't get no better like schoolish than 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 that. I mean, how many kids would pay for an intern like pay for an intern? With Michael Jordan at, 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 at your spot, at your position. But uh, MJ was great. I thought he was great for me personally. Uh, one, being a young kid trying to figure out this whole craziness of the NBA. And uh, being able to watch him and ask questions. And he was very receptive to, to all that. Uh, like I said, uh, people always talk about my medium range jump shot. A lot of that was because of Michael Jordan and going against him and competing against him each and every day and him being able to say to me, hey, Rip, you know, I'm guarding. I I, I feel like I'm locking him up in practice, but, uh, you know, he's going to tell you something different. <laughs> but he take two dribbles and he pull up on me and he knocks down a shot. He says, Rip, add that to your game. And I'm like, why? And then he's able to break it down. He's like, OK, you know, uh, you, you're driving downhill and the guy's backing up, you get him off balance, he can't never jump to his highest height going backwards. You got the advantage. He don't know if you're going to shoot or get all the way to the basket. He was like, that's the hardest play in the game to guard. And I'm like, okay, put that in my notes. Mm-hmm. All right, you know, I appreciate it. And I added that to my game. And that was a big part of my success as, as, a, professional, as a professional athlete. So I just think that being able to be around him and learn from him day to day, he wasn't a guy that just stood on his pedestal and was like pointing fingers down, like, you need to do this, you need to do that, I'm the GOAT, blah, 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 blah. Which, in my opinion, he could do that because he's MJ. He, he, he just didn't do that uh, with any of us. So I just think that that was a huge plus uh, for me in Washington to be able to have a guy like, like MJ right, right, right on my side. No doubt. When you were talking about uh, MJ, how do you, because we all know the stories about MJ's leadership and how tough he is on players. Did you get the other side of that as well? Just the, you know, the the uh, Burrell side of that, of where, you know, he is berating you. How, if you do have that side, how, the Scott Burrell side, how do Rip, you... Did he get in Rip's ass is what you're asking him, right? Did he <laughs> exactly. ever have to get in Rip's Thank ass? You. Yes. Thank you. Yes, exactly. Did he do that? Uh- Oh, man. You know what? I would say, like, I watched the documentary, right? It was awesome. It was great. I loved every piece of it, right? Uh, But my experience with MJ was totally different, man. MJ was great for me. Like, MJ, he never never really chewed me out. Like, where you would say, like, like, okay, did he try to, like, chump me up? Nah, not at all. Like, for me, uh, LeRon Prophet... Courtney Alexander, we had a bunch of young guys on that team. MJ was more of a teacher to us, right? Like he, he, like you got to remember, he wasn't just a teammate, but he was also the president of the team, right? And he knew that these, like we were the young kids on the block. We are, we are supposed to be the future of the organization, right? So he always was, 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 was always supportive. I mean, uh, he was super competitive, uh, 
I mean, we talk trash to him, right? Me and Prof, we talk trash to him every day of practice. And that's what young guys do, right? Like, like, like Raja, like we, me and Raja are retired now and our kids probably talk more trash than us. Like we didn't play basketball. We don't even know what, what the hell we're talking about, <laughs> about this game. That's what young kids do. But I just felt as though that M was, you know, he was a guy that really looked out for the young guys. He made sure that they put us in, in the right position. I remember one time, like Doug, because, you know, Doug Collins was really hard on young players, right? And Doug, Doug will ride us way more than MJ, right? And I remember MJ got hurt for, for I think his, his knee uh, was bothering him for a minute, and he was out for a couple of games. And Doug was used to just light us up on the, on the bench, just light us up, right? So me and a couple of young guys went to MJ and was like, AM, and this is crazy. We'll go to MJ, AM, can you please just come sit on the bench? Because, you know, MJ was sitting in the back and he wasn't sitting on the bench during the games because he wasn't playing. We was like, bro, can you please just sit on the bench, man? Because he brought us comfort. Like he was the guy that patted us on the back, you know, or, or tell Doug, all right, that, 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 that's enough. You know what I'm saying? To give us that even kill that we need. So when I tell people, people be like, yeah, right. No, M was like, like our security blanket. Like he was sitting wow. on the bench. Yes, put his arms around us, you know, and tell us, okay, you know what, you were wrong here, you were right here, but uh, he was more of a big brother to us. Who was worse on young fellas? Who was work on, worse on young fellas? Uh, Doug Collins or Larry Brown? <laughs> oh, oh. That's tough, right? Like, that's oh. two notorious killers of young, of young oh. people. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I've seen... <laughs> oh, man, that's a good Oof. one. I... That's crazy because you look at it, right? I was, when I was in Washington, we had the number one pick with Kwame Brown, right? Doug Collins coached Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown. In, in Detroit, we had Darko Miller, <laughs> Larry Brown, number two pick, right? Like, like, man, both guys were tough on young guys. Hey, hey Raja, that is a, that is a, I can't put one higher than the other on that one, man. Both, both guys were super tough. I didn't want to be a rookie during that time. I had two. When I had Doug, I was my third year in the league, and Doug was tough on me, right? right. He was he was tough on me also. So I think they're neck and neck. Do you do you think because there's the other side of that with MJ Rip? Because you know there's the other side of that uh, argument of his leadership style, even on the Wizards, right? Because there's the rumor that he just berated Kwame Brown throughout his rookie season, and it, and it hurt his development. I mean, his credit is hurting his development. Do you think it's because he had respect for you that he just was like, all right, I'm not going to mess with Rip. Rip is good. Rip is a good player, and Rip has my respect, whereas someone like Kwame Brown or somebody else just doesn't have Mike's respect? Well, it was different. I already had a couple years in the league, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, I was already seasoned on what the, what the lead is, right? And it was more like, you know, when you come in, you got to earn your respect, right? Respect is not given. So I knew I had to earn it. And you got to remember, before MJ came down uh, to play with us, he was the president. So he was able to come to practice, watch us compete. He will, you know, scrimmage with us at times. That, that was the moment where he's actually uh, uh, looking at the team and seeing, okay, who can I be in the foxhole with? Just by him coming down there competing against us, Playing it, playing with us, and everything else. When Kwame came, MJ was actually came and played. So it was like, okay, 
he's coming as the player. But the way that people talk and say that MJ was on him like that, no. No, he wasn't. He wasn't at Doug was on him. I would say Doug Collins <laughs> was on Kwame way, way more than MJ ever could be. And Doug was on all of us, you know. But for Kwame to be a young kid and didn't have any experience at the pro level, still trying to find his identity, sometimes that could be, you know, a, a, a situation that that is not really good for a young kid, especially him still trying to find find himself. But MJ MJ will put his arms around Kwame uh, uh, too. I think the media uh, took it took it took it to another level. Hey, talk to me about your like. You've told me this story. You probably told it before uh, publicly, too, about, about wanting to wear or wanting to be a Team Jordan dude. Like, you talk about having to earn Mike's respect, right? And mm-hmm. him watching you, like, from up top before he came down to play, knowing he could be in a foxhole. Tell a story about wanting to be Team Jordan and, like, MJ's response and then ultimately, you know, getting to be Team Jordan. And wear my damn golf shoes, by the way. I wear 15s. You know I've been asking for them 11s for like two years uh, hey, now. I, hey, I got you, man. I invite you over my house every week and you never come. You know what I'm saying? Because you're too busy, but that's for a whole new other story, right? <laughs> this, this neighborhood beef. <laughs> the na- neighborhood beef, absolutely, right? Exactly. Last time I talked to Roger, he said, hey, you know what? Bring the kids over to come play. We're going to set up some twos and threes during, during the pandemic. I ain't heard back from him since. Oh, my God. Wow. But that's, but, but that, but that's, but that's another story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but nah, yeah, no. Uh, MJ, you know, like, the one thing about MJ, right, MJ gets all the sample gear. Playing with Michael was, like, unreal because now you're able to see all the different product that's, that's, uh, that, that's, that hasn't come out or is going to come out four or five months from now. And he's just wearing it around the locker room. And me, Prof, and Courtney Alexander, we used to be all around him like, yo, M, let me get down. Uh, man, like, yo, put, put us on a brand. Like, you know, like it's a kid's dream to be with Brand Jordan. And like I said, we're still young pups, man. We still got snotty nose. We're just, we, we, we don't, we don't, we're, we're really nobodies when it comes to uh, players in the NBA, right? We're still trying to figure it out, trying to, trying to find our own niche. And I used to go up to him all the time, me and Prof, you know, Courtney, we'd go up to him all the time and be like, hey, M, man, you got you to put us on a brand, man. Like, you got to remember, at this time, we're probably just coming off of a 18 and what, 18 and 50 record or something crazy like that with, with the Wizards, like the year before. We didn't win a lot of games. So MJ would just boss up on us at times, right? And I'd be like, M, like, man, put me in, the, put me, put me with the brand, put me on it. And he'd be like, hey, Rip, uh, are, you, are you an all-star? I'm like, nah, nah, nah. He'd be like, nah, man. He was like, hey, man, my sneaker, my sneaker's for all-star in, uh, in uh, champions. And I'm like, dang. Damn. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not an all-star, and I damn sure ain't no NBA champion. So I'm thinking to myself, damn, maybe I should say I'm, I, I won a college championship, NCAA championship. But we know that, Roger, we know that don't hold no weight no. <laughs> in the locker room, right? <laughs> that don't hold that was zero weight. So I was like, man, bro, like, really? So once he told all of us that, right? And and I don't know if he was joking or I don't know if he was telling the truth, but I looked at it like, okay, low key, he's serious, right? My mission from that point on 
was to be an all-star and to be a champion. And the day I became an all-star and the day that I became a champion, I reached out to him. Uh, I called and I said, him, bro, we just won the championship. Because at the time, you know, I was still wearing Nike. But MJ, when you were with Nike, I would wear Jordan sometime because I'm playing with Jordan. But I wasn't a, really on uh, the brand Jordan actual team. As soon as I won that championship, I called him M. What's up? He just started laughing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I said, man, remember, remember what you said to me? He said, don't worry about it, Rip. I got you. I got you. So, you know, me got a little M. I need a commercial, too. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> right? I, hey, hey, Roger, I need a commercial, too. I just don't need to be on a brand. Right. right? So he was like, become an all-star. I'll get you a commercial. Became an all-star. Same call. Got me a commercial. So he was a big part of my success, a big part of my drive. You know what I'm saying? He knew how to push the right buttons, you know, for young guys. I always say that to, to everybody, man. He knew how to push the right buttons for a player like me to be super successful. That's dope. That, 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 is, that is fire, man. I mean, Jordan, it just seemed like, you know, he was motivating you, man. You had, you know, there's, yes. that's, that's all it was, right? You had to take it as motivation, right? Is that, is that, see, is, see, is that fair? And see, I'm from, and I'm from Coatesville, right? So a lot, coming from where I come from, it was so many people telling me that I couldn't do stuff. So I respond better when someone tells me I need to achieve something or I can't do anything. Like, I don't like stuff just given to me. And, you know, I, I didn't wake up. I didn't grow up with, 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 with everybody just hand delivering everything to me. I had to work for it. So I looked at it as a challenge and it was great for my career. Yeah. Now, before we get to real ones, I, I, got, I got a real question for you, Rip. You were one of my, you know, contrary to like being a Laker fan, you were one of my favorite guards growing up. Um, now, I want to get your list, man. I respect you. I think you're one of the best. So what is your, what is Rip Hamilton's top five guards of all time? Top five guards. Two, two guards, guards. Two guards. Two guards. Two guards. Two guards. Wow. Wow, man. Oh, I would have to go... Michael Jordan won, right? I mean, I think that's everybody's answer. I would have to go with Kobe Bryant, two. I would have to go with Dwayne Wade, three. My fourth would probably be, oof. I mean, there's a lot of great guards back in the day that I didn't play against, whatever, whatever. Man, so... Four, I might have to go with Ray Allen. Five, I'm going with James Harden is considered a three, right? We gonna put nah, him at small nah. position. Is he a he's a, he's a two. Nah, what about him? AI is AI a two? Richard Hamilton is well, yeah. a two. Is, a, is AI a two? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Are we putting AI at the one or the two? Uh, I was gonna put. I usually put him at the two, but okay, you got Eric Snow. Gotcha. If we put if we're put if we're putting Allen Iverson at the two, I'm going Allen Iverson. Man, AI three, four, like him and Dwayne Wade. Like Dwayne got the championship. So I I might have to go D Wade three, Allen Iverson four, five. You're gonna put Ray at that Ray five? Allen, maybe Ray at five. Yep. Okay. Boom. All right. 
That's what's up. Who's Rogers? Who's Rogers? I want to hit Rogers. What? I didn't do one, bro. You're the no, I'm, Rod, I'm, yeah, put I'm a co-host. On the spot. I'm a co-host, no, man. You also an NBA player. I'm very I'm very curious who's Rogers. No, hmm. I think that's I think it's actually a really good list. I, I like MJ. MJ's always gonna be one. Kobe's two. Um, you know, I think you are splitting hairs to some degree, three and four, but but because of the championship, I like I like going D Wade. I you know what? I'm going Allen Iverson three, D Wade four. Um and five is tough, dog. Like not to, you know, not because you're on the show, bro. But I, 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 I put you, I put you in a toss up with with Ray for me at number five. Um, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, bro. no but doubt, I, I, straight up. And ooh, and and ugh, Reggie too. Like and real talk, you guys all kind of had similar stuff that was run for you, right? Like it was, yes, it was the similar task of running off of like. 22 screens per possession trying to chase y'all, dog. So I put that as a trifecta because I think all three of y'all deserve to be in it. That's why Roger was crying before games. He knew he had to run through all them screens. It was some real <laughs> bullshit, though. Like, and you're talking about, like, with Reggie, it was the Davis brothers trying to light you up. And with Rip, you have Rashid and, and Ben. Like, these are big-ass dudes laying wood, like, as you're coming around the screen. It's crazy. Man. Nah, yeah, nah, I, listen, I used to lick my chops. Waiting for Raja and whispering and bending them's here, like, look, you better hit him too. <laughs> you know, he, you know, he's gonna try to run through the screen. You know, like he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna, he ain't gonna be no chump. He ain't gonna try to run away from the screen. He gonna try to run through it. So, make sure you knuckle up and put his ass to the ground. They did a Oof. good job. All right, man. Well, um, <laughs> let's get to real one of the week. Now, real one of the week is a person or an entity that you were impressed with this week that you that mm. earned your respect. I will go first. We'll go with Raja second and um, say the best for last with Rip. So my real one of the week is none other than Kevin Durant, who was balling out of control right now off of a torn Achilles. He's averaging nearly 30 a game. And his last three games, he's averaging 32 points, seven rebounds and seven assists on 57% shooting and 47% from three-point range. I've never seen anybody ball like this off an Achilles. And for Kevin to do that, he's my real one of the week. Roger, who's your real one of the week? Yo, my real one of the week is Lamar Demetrius Jackson. Pompano's finest um, mm. from right around the corner. They, they said the man couldn't do it. Like, they, they really were like, he can't win from behind. He was only the MVP, like the Heisman. They said like his style wouldn't translate to the playoffs. Look at it. He's 0-2. I mean, you talk about Peyton's a 500. Peyton Manning's a 500 um, uh, record quarterback in, in the playoffs, right? Like every, you don't win every damn playoff game. I thought it was hilarious that the man was 0-2 when they had already said he couldn't win one. And all he did was come out and go down like 10 nothing, and then come back and do it his way too. Like not like he was ripping it all over the field and playing in the pocket. Like, brother said, I, this is my style, and this is how I'm going to do it, and he did it. And he got him a playoff dub, and he's my real one of the week, Lamar Jackson. Mm. Now you're going to leave it up to me, man. I, listen, bro, that's, that's a hard question, man. <laughs> like, y'all prepped for this, man. Y'all literally you, prepped for this. Fair, fair. That's fair. You did not prep for this. Like, No, absolutely. Uh, man, I, I, for, for me, my real one of the week is – since we was talking a lot about him, I'm going to say Michael Jordan. And the reason why is this man has his own golf course, guys. Like, literally, he created his own experience out here in Florida where he has four or 500 acres of land, right? 
The clubhouse is something like a spaceship, right? There's no rules. Just don't be an asshole. Uh, it's an <laughs> un unbelievable experience. Uh, the one thing that they said was the golf course don't create your experience. You create how you experience want, want to be at a golf course. Mm. Uh, got members there from Obama to Tom Brady to Dustin Johnson and all these other great athletes. For, for a former NBA player to create his own golf course, how many guys you know have their own golf course, own facility, own That's everything? That's a different bag. A, a different bag. And he takes care of all the, all the uh, caddies uh, with, uh, with, with everything that they need. So I'm going with Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Damn it. Hey, listen, can I just follow up on that? Richard Hamilton, this is my commitment to you, Logan and Sasha. Rip Hamilton asked me um, if I'd like to play MJ's course. He hit me one night. Do I want to play MJ's <laughs> course? You know what my response to Richard Hamilton was? <laughs> this is MJ's damn golf course now, bro. I'm a golf addict. This is MJ's shit, right? Yeah. I said, no, I have to podcast in the morning. You yeah, did that, say that too. I said I have to podcast in the morning because that's my job. That's my commitment to the ringer, dog. And I did not get to play friggin' MJ's golf course. He did say that. If can I you, was you, Roger, Rip, can you I, ask I, him I, again? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. You don't get that opportunity again. You don't. Like, I mean, you literally. Don't. Like, I, I, like what, what, you, what do you mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, come on, bro. Like, let's go do it. Mm -hmm. And he hit me with that. He should have brought his iPad. Y'all should have got, got, got made sure he had the, the proper connection. And we could have did it from the golf course. That's what I, that's what I should have done. Like, if I was, that's yeah. what I should have fucking done. Now I feel bad. Real one of the week. Um, it's not us. Um, you don't sound <laughs> like you feel bad, bro. I feel bad, man. You know what I'm saying? I I, I never had get the opportunity to to yeah. golf on MJ's course, and I took we took that away from you. Sorry, apologies. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that was a really real. This has been a really good edition of um the real ones. Thank you so much, Rip, for coming on, man. It was an honor to interview you, bro. And um, we will see you guys next week. Make sure you tap in to all the other Ringer podcasts. Make sure you tap into the Ringer NFL show, the Mismatch Group Chat. Uh, Ringer University, a new podcast we got going out right now. And also The Answer with Chris Ryan. Um, we will see you guys next week. Talk to y'all soon.